Well, give the Lord a big hand today. He is worthy of our praise. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them they're looking good today. And you may be seated. I have been doing a series called Supernatural the last uh, few weeks, and it's intended to help us really think about the fact that God is indeed a supernatural God. The very nature, the concept of God implies supernatural. But as we've been seeing is God wants to be involved supernaturally in our lives. I read this neat story this week about uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, more claims of divine intervention are being reported in the ongoing conflict between Israel and Hamas with an operator of Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system saying he personally witnessed the hand of God diverting an incoming rocket out of harm's way. The commander recalled, here's the Israeli commander, he said a missile was fired from Gaza, the Iron Dome precisely calculated its trajectory, and we know where these missiles are going to land over a radius of about 200 yards. This particular missile was going to hit either the, uh, Israel's equivalent of the Pentagon or a central Tel Aviv railway station. Hundreds could have died. We fired the first interceptor rocket. It missed. We fired the second, and it missed. This is very rare, and I was in shock. At this point, we had just four seconds until the missile lands. We'd already notified emergency services to converge on the target location and had warned of a mass casualty incident. We went on to say, suddenly, for Iron Dome calculates wind speeds, it shows a major wind coming from the east, a strong wind that sent the missile into the sea. We were all stunned, and I stood up and shouted, there is a God. He said, I witnessed this miracle with my own eyes. It was not told me or reported to me. I saw the hand of God send that missile into the sea. Wow. Uh, it, it, further in the article, it showed a picture of a Middle Eastern newspaper. And it was an interview with one of the terrorists. And here's what it said. As one of the terrorists from Gaza was reported to say when asked why they couldn't uh, aim their rockets more effectively, he said, we do aim them. But their God changes their path in midair. <laughs> Their God changes their path in midair. Well, listen, that's pretty cool, but we've been talking about the idea of the supernatural. The early church was alive with the supernatural. If I could read just a couple illustrations, Philip the deacon in Acts chapter 8, Philip's, uh, Scripture says that when Philip was ministering in Samaria, many evil spirits were cast out. Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. Now Agabus the prophet, Acts chapter 11, Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world, and this happened during the reign of Claudius. Paul the apostle, in Acts 28, Paul gathered an armful of sticks and a poisonous snake bit him on the hand. Imagine a copperhead bit him, but Paul shook off the snake in the fire and was unharmed. Wouldn't you say that was supernatural? While he was staying with uh, people, Publius was the man's name. His dad was ill, and Paul prayed for him. He laid his hands on him, and he healed him. Now, this is just a sampling of the New Testament. If you ever, perhaps, likely every page in the book of Acts, you read there is something supernatural that God is doing in the midst of his people. And it's not just apostles. Certainly, Paul was used, but we see there was a deacon. There was a man who had the ability to have a prophetic word that God uses believers through the power of the Holy Spirit to do supernatural works. Now, uh, the New Testament church was indeed supernatural because of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus made us a promise to us in Acts chapter 1. Jesus said that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. So the Bible literally shows us that this is a pattern for church life today. And what I want to do in this morning's message is we want to look at the, at the early church. We want to see the, the, the pattern of the Holy Spirit working in that early church. And uh, hopefully this is going to be a foundational message to you. We're going to look throughout the book of Acts. I'm going to read a lot of scripture. I'll have a different presentation this morning. I'm going to read a lot of verses to show you how page after page, early believers were looking to the Holy Spirit, that he would, they would anoint them and supernatural activities would follow. Now, in this room today, there are uh, great divergent views of the Holy Spirit, of the power of God uh, for today. Uh, some of us have been raised in a tradition we don't believe the supernatural is for today. Uh, we've been influenced by naturalism, and, you know, it's like everything has a natural cause. Others, if I would ask for a show of hands who've experienced something supernatural from God, hands would go over all of the building. Uh, if I were to ask uh, how many people have seen weird Pentecostal people, uh, hands would go up across the building. If I were to say, how many people have been a weird Pentecostal, there would probably be some hands go up. So we're kind of across the board on it. But what I want to ask you to do is if you could, for just a few minutes, lay aside preconceptions that you have about the Holy Spirit, and let's look at the Bible together. Try to understand His role in the church and how we can connect to this as modern believers. So I've entitled the morning's message, Spirit Power. Now... I want to look first at what I'm going to call the promise of the Spirit. This morning, I'm going to, uh, we're going to then go to the day of Pentecost, which is kind of central uh, to the whole understanding of the Pentecostal experience and the life of the church. And then we're going to look after Pentecost. So let's, uh, let's begin first. Mark chapter 1, the promise of the Spirit. These are the words of John the Baptist. John the Baptist preaching, and John said, I have baptized you with water. But he, meaning Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So what in the world does this mean? Now, this word baptize, it's a transliteration, which means there was not an English equivalent uh, when they translated the Greek word, so it's called a transliteration. And we made the word baptize out of the Greek baptizo. Now, to baptize, if I could illustrate it this way, uh, I got one of Pastor Travis's T-shirts. <laughs> And if I were to take this T-shirt and baptize it in orange dye, if you can imagine that this bowl is filled with orange dye, I take it in, stir it in a little bit, well, what happens is this T-shirt takes on the qualities of the baptism. In other words, I baptize it in, in dye, and, the, and the, the white became orange. Uh, this cloth takes on the nature not just the color, but it, it takes on the nature. Now, the word baptize, it's throughout the Scripture, and clearly we think first and foremost, like you observed today, baptism in water. Well, let me ask you this question. Is water baptism just getting wet? No. The Scripture teaches us that our baptism is an identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and we come up a new creation. So what's happened? We have taken on the nature of Christ through the water of baptism. Uh, in the Old Testament, talked to John, uh, John the Baptist. He gave a baptism of repentance. And if you're going one way and you repent, it's a turning totally and completely to God, a baptism of repentance. We also see the Scripture says that the Israelites were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They went through the Red Sea. This was a type of baptism, though they didn't get wet. 
we see that Jesus, Scripture says, he endured a baptism of suffering. So this word baptized, we just have locked in our mind that it's water, but think more than water. It is a transformation. It is somehow identifying with, with the, uh, the agent whereby you're being baptized. Now, the Holy Spirit baptism is an initiation into the Holy Spirit's power. Now, let's look at it further. Acts chapter 1, the words of Jesus. And as we go this morning, we're going to develop what I'm going to call a, 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 a Holy Spirit vocabulary you're going to see numbers of words that describe this experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This will help you in your theology and your understanding about how the Holy Spirit works. But Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus, now he's been resurrected but not yet ascended. And Jesus, while staying with them, he ordered the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise. Very key word. You may want to circle that because we're going to see that mentioned several times and one time very specifically for us. But Jesus said to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John, John the Baptist, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, you will receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll have exciting church services. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll get some really big spiritual goosebumps. You'll have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll have mystical out-of-body experiences. No. It says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power to be a witness for Christ. And this is the whole purpose. It is the focus. Uh, many of us have been around excesses, extremes, misdirection. But the purpose of God's Holy Spirit when He comes to us, not only to save us, to sanctify us, but to empower us to live the Christian life effectively in the world. Now, let's go to Acts chapter, uh, well, Luke 24, verse 49. Luke's a, a gospel account of what Jesus said. Jesus told the disciples, stay into this, in the city until you are clothed with power. So like taking a jacket and putting a coat on, clothing yourself with power. So here we're seeing this vocabulary developing. It's called baptism. It's called the promise, receiving power. The Spirit will come upon you, and now you'll be clothed with power, all describing the same thing. Now, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and the, the promise for all of us. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, those that were together were the disciples. They were in the upper room. When I was a Methodist, we had a publication every month. It was a devotional called, yeah, it was called The Upper Room. Well, this is what it was referring where the disciples were gathered. Now, during the Feast of Pentecost, uh, Jews would come from all over the Jewish uh, Roman Empire. They were scattered everywhere. And as they came to, uh, to, to worship on Pentecost, God was going to use this as an impetus to take the gospel around the world. Well, also, there's people across the Roman Empire, all backgrounds and languages and different languages whereby they communicated. Well, verse 2 says, Suddenly, as they're in this prayer meeting, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I suggest to you this was the breath of God. God was visiting the people. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them. Now, fire in the Scripture, in the Old Testament, was, 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 a, was a, a metaphor for God. It was an illustration for God. Remember Moses and the burning bush. Uh, God spoke to him. You remember the children of Israel. They were guided through the wilderness, you remember, with a pillar of fire by night. 
So fire was a, was, a, was a picture of God. And somehow what this is suggesting is that fire from heaven, God himself, fell afresh on these people in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This idea of filling is if you have a glass and you fill it with water until it's full, until it can't hold anymore. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages or other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now what's happening is all the people that are gathered around, there are literally, as we'll see, thousands of people somehow beholding this experience. And what's happening, they don't all speak the same language. So God is allowing a supernatural communication to take place. And people all around are hearing them give praises to God in their own native language. It's a pretty incredible thing. But let me encourage you. Well, actually, in the spring, I did a series called Voices where I talked in the whole message about what does this mean when the Bible talks about speaking in this other language or in tongues, an unlearned language. The Bible has a bit to say about it. Uh, it it's, can sometimes be a little bit confusing, but very, very encouraging. And, 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 and uh, you may want to take a peek at that message. But I don't want you to focus on that. I want you to focus on the supernatural aspect of God was able to unite varied people. It's almost like the Tower of Babel in reverse. The Tower of Babel, God confused languages, and here God brought one language. Well, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 16, here's the explanation, and here's where it gets very personal to us. Peter, the apostle, said, This is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel. And Peter said, In the last days it shall be, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, he didn't say on the day of Pentecost, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. He said, in the last days, plural. And I suggest to you very clearly, this is a, this is a, a great scripture that, that declares that God's power, the power of his Holy Spirit, is, will be available to all believers in all generations. And what's going to happen when the Spirit is poured out? We'll see supernatural things happening. There will be prophecy. Prophecy is speaking a word from God, not equivalent to the Bible, but yet God inspiring a person to share something. Your young men shall see visions. Any young men like me out there, vision, vision seers? Yeah. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. So here we have the language of the Spirit. We have some of the activity of the Holy Spirit when he comes. Dreams and visions and prophecy. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 38, now Peter has at least 3,000 there. That many will come to Christ. And Peter said to them, repent, which is turn from your sins, be baptized, water baptism, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift. gift. Here's more language of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 39. If you only take one thing from this service today, if you want to scratch your head, and particularly if you're a little you know, reluctant or even antagonistic towards this idea of the Spirit's presence today, look at this verse. The promise. Mind you, we've talked about it since John the Baptist forwards. The promise is for you that are here, your children, and for everybody alive in the New Testament time. Is that what it says? The promise is for you, your children, and the apostles. No, it says for all who are where? Afar. Afar off in time, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now, how many everyones are in this room? Is it just possible that you and I are the all and the everyone? Come on. 
And it's the same Holy Spirit, and God wants to bring us to a place, spiritually, uh, doctrinally, and otherwise, to where we become acquainted with the workings of the Holy Spirit. Well, I suggest to you that it's absolutely true. Peter is saying to us today that spiritual power is available for all believers in all ages. Let me say it again. Peter is saying spiritual power is available to all believers in all ages. The Pew Forum Institute in 2010 did a study and found that there are 2.2 billion Christians in the world today. If the world has 6 billion people, if you can imagine, one in three people on the planet are Christians. Christianity remains the fastest growing religion. But of those Christians, 27% or say one-third almost, one out of three uh, Christians around the world are Pentecostal or charismatic. Or are there people who would look back to this day of Pentecost as a day that ushered in a church age, but the power of the Holy Spirit for all of us? I suggest this number is probably low. It's probably much higher because where the church is growing around the world the fastest in China, uh, 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 in China, in Africa, in parts of Central and South America, this, this is a Pentecostal tradition. So, so let me suggest to you that what we're talking about today is not something isolated and weird. Uh, there was a study done by the Hartford Institute of Religion, and they studied the question, is Pentecostalism Christianity's next Reformation? Reformation being uh, uh, Martin Luther, uh, the shift from the Catholicism and the Protestant Reformation was born. So in the same way he's saying, is the next movement of God's Spirit across the earth a reformation of the power of the Holy Spirit? A belief that the Holy Spirit is alive, real, and working in the lives of believers today. And they gave us an unequivocal yes. Uh, so this, what I'm talking about now, is not weirdness. Though there have been weird things. Come on. It's not weirdness, but it is authentic biblical Christianity. It is a Christianity that is built on the Bible, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and focused on world evangelism. Let me say it again. It is a Christianity built squarely on the teachings of the Bible, yet empowered by the Holy Spirit with a focus on evangelizing the entire world. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. That's the kind of church I want to be. Now, now let's shift just a little bit. You remember we talked about the promise and then Pentecost. Let's go forwards, and I want to entitle this section, Praying for More. Praying for More of the Spirit's Power. Acts chapter 8, we'll visit again Philip the deacon. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he proclaimed to them the Christ. That's interesting how we see the supernatural in our American mindset. And I, I just want, I, I kind of have this unspoken idea that the supernatural will get me out of all my problems. Come on. If I'm sick and the doctor can't help me, come on, God will may heal me. You know, if I have financial problems and God would get me out of that. You know that Philip is here is because when Stephen was being stoned, God didn't stop the rocks, but God gave him supernatural endurance. Come on. He had a vision. Stephen, now you read about it, a deacon. He said, I see the heavens open and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, how many know that's supernatural? So the supernatural sometimes delivers, but sometimes it sustains. One of my messages in the series will be supernatural endurance, to go through great difficulty. Well, now the rest of many of the other believers fled Jerusalem, and they took the gospel around the world. Philip happens to end in Samaria. So here's a former deacon. He's in the city of Samaria. He's proclaiming to them Jesus Christ. In other words, he's preaching. Verse 7, unclean spirits 
And that means unclean spirits or demon spirits. Now, in our world today, the world that is defined by the modern psychology and science of naturalism, there's no such thing as a demon. They saw them very clearly in the scriptural days. But I suggest to you many of the things today that we ascribe to people. For example, when someone goes on a shooting spree, when there's acts of violence in the street, you know, we see all sorts of crazy things. Uh, some are in mental institutions, some are in prisons. I suggest to you that at least some of these people are affected in some ways by demons. Uh, I'm fully convinced that some of the TV shows that are produced today, the producers are inspired by demons. Come on now. Why would you want to, for entertainment, produce shows about demonic possession and, and vivid decapitation? Come on. And zombies and vampires and all that stuff. Come on. That has nothing to do with edification, only to do with fostering fear. My Bible tells me God's not giving me a spirit of fear. Fear is not of God. So why would I want to go be entertained by something that's, well, that's extra this morning. Anyway, uh, there were unclean spirits in their day. But notice, they, when they came out, they cried out with a loud voice. That would make for an interesting church service. <laughs> they cried out with a loud voice and came out of many who, many who had them. Look down the aisle there, just a second. Be, <laughs> see. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. How many would say that's a great, great thing that's happening? I would say that's real revival. Yeah. That's a better revival than you can put on the sign and say we're having a guest speaker. Now look at verse 12. And this is where it gets interesting. When they believed Philip as he preached the good news, they were baptized. Now, how many would say with me, they're Christians, Pastor? They're believers in Jesus, come on, and they're baptized in water. What do the rest of you think they are? You know a setup when it's coming, don't you? These are Christians. Look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, and they came down and they... Prayed for them that what? Receive. receive the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting? They prayed for them. They might, now, they're already Christians. They're baptized in water. And here's more uh, vocabulary. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. And look at verse 17. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Bible... Laying on of hands is a, is a doctrine. Hebrews chapter 6, it was one of the foundational doctrines of the early church. In the Old Testament, you remember Jacob, when he blessed his sons, he laid his hands on his sons. Uh, you remember when the high priest in the Old Testament would, would, would uh, lay his hands on an animal before they'd kill it to transfer the sins of the people to that animal. So it was a spiritual transference, and you'll see many prayers in the Bible. There's the act of laying on of hands. Why? Not because the person has power, but because of their faith, they're believing for a spiritual transference. And that's exactly, exactly what happened here. Saved, baptized in water, but seeking something more. A second experience with the Holy Spirit for spiritual power. Now, some don't believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this outpouring, this falling upon them, being poured out, is separate from salvation. But my friends, this passage is pretty clear. And if you need another one, look at Acts 19. Listen, I was raised, I was not raised to believe this. And, actually, and when I first became a Christian and was discipled, I was taught that the Holy Spirit, once I was a believer, that's all it was. Now, and let me say this very clearly. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. 
Ephesians 1.13 says, In him, in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed, believed in him, John 3.16, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, it's a deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. The Holy Spirit, come, that's, that's how we become a Christian. Becoming a Christian is not just an intellectual exercise in response to facts or, or, or feelings, but somehow God himself comes to live. In, that's what it means to be born again, to be made alive. But what these passages are talking about is a second experience with the Spirit. Now, if you want a more uh, uh, prolific scripture, Acts 19. In Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus and he asks this startling question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's in your Bible now. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard if it is a Holy Spirit. He says, tell me about your baptism. He said, well, uh, we're baptized in John's baptism. He said, let me update you. He talked about Jesus, their theology straightened out, then they're baptized in water, and then he lays his hands on these Christian people, and the Holy Spirit comes on them in a, in a second way towards spiritual power. I'm preaching a little better than you're admitting this morning. It's amazing how things can change if we just read the Bible. Look at, Act, uh, look at Acts chapter 9. Let's continue the pattern. Saul. Now, this is a powerful passage. Where, where we find the story, uh, this is, the man in the story is going to be Paul the Apostle, and he's going to one day write two-thirds of the Bible. He's going to be responsible for the gospel going to the Gentile world. Paul's responsible for the gospel coming to us as non-Jews. Well, at this time, though, he's recently been knocked off his horse. He was an unsaved man going to, dis to destroy the church. Jesus knocks him off his horse, supernatural. A light shines brighter than the sun, supernatural. He hears a voice, supernatural. Why are you persecuting me? And all he says was, who are you, Lord? Well, somewhere in this process, he becomes a Christian. Now, he's blinded, though, and he's waiting. Now, let's pick up the, the story, Acts 9, verse 11. The Lord said to a Christian named Ananias. Now, this is not a great apostle. This is a guy, ordinary guy, just like you and me. The Lord said to Ananias, I want you to look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. So here we see again, isn't it supernatural to hear the Lord speaking to you? Yeah. It, people can be weird trying to do it, but, but it should be normal. For behold, he's praying, and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so he may regain his sight. What does this mean? It means Saul, who's not yet a, a, a mature Christian, has this movie picture in his mind. He sees a vision. And this is the way, the language of the supernatural. He sees a vision. Verse 17, Ananias uh, uh, went there. He obeyed. I mean, our obedience opens the door to the supernatural. I mean, no, nothing would have happened here if Ananias hadn't obeyed. And if we wonder sometimes, why is there not more supernatural in my life? Well, maybe God's trying to First of all, he's, we're not learning to hear his voice. But secondly, when we hear his voice, if we don't obey it, come on, nothing's going to happen. But this guy did. He departed, he enters his house, and he lays his hand on him and said, Brother Saul, a Christian, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me. Now, remember we talked about the fact that if we want to be using the supernatural, we need to be on a mission from God, not just asking God to do things for us. So he's being sent by God. Two reasons, so you may regain your sight, that is, so you can physically see. But what's the second thing? So you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And immediately, as he laid his hands on him, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he arose and is baptized in water. So this is a powerful passage. The guy's a Christian. The guy gets physically healed. The guy gets filled with the Spirit. And then he's baptized in water. Don't get hung up on the formula. I think we make mistakes sometimes. If we, God does something and we have a particular verbiage that we use, we think the verbiage is the key. If we have a particular way we pray for people or lay hands on them or worship or whatever, and we try to duplicate, come on, the experience by what we've done before, but it's the Holy Spirit, come on, that we're trying to get in touch with. Well, here, uh, the Holy Spirit, though, is working supernaturally. And this is what my hope is for you in this series. I hope that there will be something sparked in you to say, boy, I'd like for God to use me that way. I'd like to be like Ananias, and I'd like to hear the voice of the Lord. I'd like to have a vision from God like, like they did in this passage. Uh, I'd like to have the spiritual courage to go and do and step out in my faith when God tells me to do something. I'd like to be able to lay hands on a sick person and see them physically healed. Come on. I'd like to be able to lay my hands on somebody and they be baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, that's what, that's what we're talking about and what we're hopefully longing for. Now, let me kind of wrap this up this morning. I've been talking to you about a spirit vocabulary. So let me summarize these different phrases, all of which were used to describe what John the Baptist said was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we heard phrases like, the Holy Spirit fell. Uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, they received the Holy Spirit. He had not yet fallen on any of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the promise of the Holy Spirit. They were clothed with power from on high. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And all of what we're talking about is John's baptism. All of what we're talking about today is somehow supernaturally, when we are baptized our lives by the Holy Spirit, what starts out white, come on, is dyed. It takes on the, 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 the impression, the nature of the dye, and it comes out differently. And the difference is, my friend, it's the initiation of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. Let me wrap this up now. Um, Acts chapter 4. Let me make a statement. Acts, uh, first of all, Ephesians chapter 5. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continual experience. Let me say it again. The Bible does not teach there is a one-time filling of the Holy Spirit, and that's it. I got it. You know, I got it. No. Uh, Ephesians 5.18 tells us not to be drunk with wine. Could you repeat that with me? That's extra too there. But it says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, now isn't it interesting what he said? Just as wine is able to make you a different person. Come on, don't get too excited about that. But it's able to, it's able to transform you and change you. He's saying, rather yet, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this word filled, again, put in as much as you can. But what we don't know, because it, this Greek word, the tense of this word filled implies a continually filling. So it's almost like saying, be ye continually filled with the Spirit. Uh, uh, this may be a poor illustration, but it's the best I've got. If you drove a, your car to church today, you got here not just because of the car, but because of the gas in the car. And periodically, you've got to go to the gas station and get filled up again. You've got to keep that tank full. 
If you go on vacation, you just can't load the kids up in the car and take off. And if you go three, four hundred miles, the car is going to stop because it's out. Now, don't take the illustration too far because I don't think the Holy Spirit, you know, runs out when the gas tank runs out. But still, there's a picture God's trying to show. Because I can I, I, listen, I know in my spiritual life, when my spiritual life is full and I've got faith and I'm ready to go, come on, I feel the word of the Lord and I'm strong, but I also know when I'm weak and dry. So be filled with the Spirit. Now let me show you how they did that in, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, and this is my last point. In Acts chapter 4, um, Peter and John had been used by God to do a miraculous healing at the temple. And you'd think everybody would be happy, but the Jews were angry, and they threatened them. They commanded them to stop their preaching in Jesus' name. Otherwise, they were going to do to them what they did to Jesus on the cross. So Peter and John come back to church. They come back to the believers there. And I want you to see what they did. And remember what Jesus told us that the power of the Holy Spirit was to do what? Give us power to witness. Notice now, power to be a witness. Acts 4.29, this was their prayer. Lord, look on their threats and please make them stop because we don't want them to hurt us in Jesus' name. Is that what they said? No. Lord, look on their threats and give your servants what? boldness. Let us continue to speak your word with boldness. In other words, we're a little scared in here and we want some spiritual power to go face darkness. We want you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Verse 30, they're saying we want more than that. We want you to stretch out your hand to heal sick people. We want signs and wonders. In other words, we want supernatural acts to be done. Come on, like this rocket right here in Israel. We want supernatural acts to be done to get people's attention performed through the name of Jesus. In verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. I want to tell you, friends, that was how the New Testament church lived. And all we've done this morning is walk through the pages. And I don't know about you, but I'm asking God to help me be that kind of Christian. I'm asking God to help me when I get in trouble. Come on, that I don't just say, God, get me out of it. But God, would you anoint me so in the middle of my trouble I can influence people for Christ? I want the Holy Spirit speaking through me. I want the Holy Spirit working through my hands. Come on. I want the Holy Spirit speaking through my, or, or, or let me see through my eyes. I want your power in my life. Listen, it was the pattern of the early church. It's the promise to us. Let us surrender to God and have faith and believe that his power will be our portion. Hallelujah. Give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's just endeavor to engage the Lord just a minute. Don't worry about lunch just yet. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you just let this become real to me? Would you just pray that right now? Would you let what I've heard slip from my head into my heart let it slip in my, from my thinking realm to my faith realm and awaken something fresh in me well let's sing together Pastor Zach there is power in the name of Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Break
on, slip your hands to heaven as we sing it. There's power. You break every chain, you break every chain, you break every chain. Let's sing it out. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. Thank God. Break every Would you pray just a minute and say, Lord, would you make this real to me? Would you just pray and say, Lord, would you let your Holy Spirit come and fill me? Would you come and do in my life what I read about all morning long? Holy Spirit, I just surrender you today. See, that's my part, to surrender to him. It's to have faith and believe. And I want to surrender to you today, and I want to ask you to fill me with your power. I want to pray the Holy Spirit would be poured out on me. I, I want to pray the Holy Spirit would fall on me. I want to pray that I would be baptized with your Spirit. Lord, I want to pray, God, that there would be something supernatural at work in my life. And Lord, I just come before you today and say, I want you to help me be like Ananias. Let me be someone who hears the voice of the Lord. Let me be someone who knows it's you and then obeys that voice. Now let me be someone who is not afraid to confront difficult situations. Let me be someone, Lord, who can lay my hands on a sick person for a miracle. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that there could well be a Saul of Tarsus that's waiting to change the world, and I'm the person standing between them and God. Holy Spirit, would you anoint us today? Welcome. Fill us this morning. Come on, pray that one more time. Say, Lord, would you fill me? And would you let me be continually filled with your Spirit? Come on, pray that right now. Lord, I pray that I would be continually filled. Lord, that I would seek you, Lord, on Monday and Tuesday, that I would draw near to you, that I would pray, Lord, uh, uh, continually, that I would endeavor to keep my cup full and overflowing because it's the rivers of living water that I want flowing out of my life. So welcome here, Holy Spirit, today. And we want to close with an opportunity for personal prayer today. There may be something in this message that really touched your heart and you want prayer for you may want someone to pray for you, just like we read about people laid hands on the believers and the Holy Spirit came on them in a special way. We'd be honored to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and maybe you need a miracle in your life. I can't think of a better time for, to pray for miracles when we've been talking about the supernatural. Let me say this to you, friends. Just because you hadn't got there yet doesn't mean you can't get there with God. And if faith is awakened in your heart, let us pray for you this morning. But the most important prayer thing we'd like to pray for today is if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to get my life right with God. Turn into me just a second here. You're here today and say, Pastor, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell if I died. Or you may say something like this, Pastor, something's missing in my life. I don't have a sense of purpose. I, I, I just, I, my life doesn't have a lot of meaning. I don't have real deep happiness. I've got to find it through whatever, drinking or people or relationships or, or, or education or money, but it still doesn't satisfy. I'm telling you, friend, what you're missing is a relationship with Christ. And I've been there as a 19-year-old. I had all a 19-year-old could have, but something was missing. I put all that stuff in a bucket, but it had a hole in the bottom. It would all drip out. Listen, Jesus plugged that hole. He changed my life. And I came to him just like many of you will come to him today. I said, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. And I want to ask you, Lord, to change my life. And here's what I did. This is a big thing. I surrendered my life to follow Christ. 
It's like I took the car keys of my life and put them in Jesus' hand. And I said, I want you to drive my life the rest of my days. And I'll be in the passenger seat next to you. Friends, something mighty happens. Whether this is your first time or maybe you've walked with God and got away from God. And today you feel God coming back and and you want to give your life to Jesus. Let us pray for you today. So whatever it may be, we're going to believe God with you right now. We're going to sing it one more time, Zach. Our prayer team is going to come around the altar right now. And as the men and women come to pray, I just want to invite you to just come and join them. You want prayer for anything this morning, come on up. You want someone to pray with you for a miracle, a need in your life, uh, seeking God's power, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, giving your life to Christ, letting Him fix what's broken. You come, let us pray this morning. Come on, let's sing this out this morning. There is power in the name.